Welcome to Canadian Equities, a short bi-weekly podcast series where we speak with top business leaders and hear their perspectives on the industries in which they operate. For the full-length version, find our link in the podcast notes or connect with us at acumencapital.com. In this episode of the Canadian Equities Podcast, Peter Lacey, founder and executive chair at Service Equipment, joins Robert Cooper as they discuss agriculture, OEMs, and entrepreneurialism. Service was founded back in 1982 with one dealer and went public in 2000 at five dealerships and has since grown to become the dominant John Deere dealer network in Western Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. In addition, Service has acquired Peterbilt dealers in Saskatchewan and Ontario. Peter Lacey, welcome to Canadian Equities. Thank you, Robert. What was the aha moment you had, if at all, that led you to go to grow from a handful of dealerships to becoming the dominant player in Western Canada? We were uh, uh, a private company. My brother-in-law owned 100% of the Red Deer store, uh, and we had created partnerships with some of our neighboring dealerships and our model back then and kind of what John Deere allowed was we could, we couldn't control a neighboring dealership. We could own up to 50%. And, and what really, you know, the aha moment for me was we had purchased or had an agreement to purchase the dealership in Troshu, Alberta. And we had all the terms of the deal worked out and, and it was going to require $800,000 cash equity. And so our model then was, you know, we would we would do 50% ownership and we'd look for a partner to be the dealer principal and have a 50% ownership stake as well. And so we uh, we made the deal. It was conditional on finding a dealer partner willing to, you know, come up uh, with $400,000 equity. And, and, and it was a condition because I wasn't sure that we could find that person. And yeah, it was, it was very, very difficult. We spent about three months with some of our own employees. And, and so the challenge is, 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 you know, having somebody, you know, young enough to be a dealer for the next 20 years, uh, willing to move to a small rural town uh, like Troshu, a thousand people. Uh, the big one was having $400,000 of, of liquid um, investments that you could invest in, into the equity, into this deal. It was a challenge and we couldn't find anybody. We finally did. It was somebody that came from John Deere, but that's what, what sort of the aha moment was, well, who's going to buy these dealerships in the future? If we can't find um, a dealer partner to come in, uh, we've kind of got our backing and, you know, and, and as well as, as their own own capital, uh, like who was going to buy these? And that was kind of the idea of, of well, let's, the, let's look at forming a public company and then therefore the equity ownership can change every day in, in micro amounts. And it's not this, this typical succession strategy of once every generation, a dealership sells their business to another group for another 25 years. I wrote up a white paper in 1999 with, with sort of the concept of, of rolling in all of the companies that we were involved in five locations at that time and, and creating a, a public company and being able to share inventory and, and specialized uh, people. And so Deer was actually very supportive of the concept and, and that kind of broke away from the, the idea of one company owning these five. It was really kind of a, a five-year head start from what Deer eventually started. You know, their dealer tomorrow strategy was, was consolidating dealerships into create more efficiencies. And so we were five years ahead of the, ahead of the time on that. 
What was the biggest mistake you made along the way that, I guess, left an indelible mark on your future decision-making? Well, <laughs> it's the bane of any, any, especially ag dealerships, is, is having too much used equipment. We learned that lesson early on in the, the 80s and it probably cost us a million dollars. And, and unfortunately, <laughs> you kind of tend to repeat the, that. And, and while well, we had it at service as well, when we had the big write-down in 2019, you know, there was a lot of focus from deer to improve market share. And, and we were getting paid, uh, you know, on, on performance uh, bonuses based on market share and, quite frankly, uh, too much inventory, uh, used inventory. And, and the challenge with that is that you've got, you kind of got competing interests with your sales guy. He's selling you uh, or the, the, the dealership on the value of that trade-in. And, and obviously the customer as well wants to get maximum value for that, that trade-in. And, and so the thing is, you really have to be strict on, on your buying policies. You can't be sort of, well, we'll make an exception here or there because it, 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 it will build up and Eventually, you got to pull the plug, and it was a million dollars in the early '80s, and it was another nineteen million dollars for us uh, in in uh, 2019. The, um, the dealership can be successful or or fail, um, all based on how they manage their used trade-ins. Agriculture sure has changed a lot from when you started in the early '80s. The small family farm is very rare, and the farming industry is consolidated just like the, the dealer networks of which you speak. What's been the biggest change that you've seen occur in, since you've been in the business? Well, I think, you know, the consolidation is, is one thing, but, but the value of equipment is another. Uh, when we bought the, the dealership in, in Red Deer from three partners in 1982, uh, so John, Donald, my brother-in-law and, and myself, I remember in the sales manager's office, there was all these plaques up on the wall that was was a million dollar club. And that was purchasing more than a million dollars from John Deere over the course of a year. And they had several of these, these up. And, and today, we, you know, we our largest combine is more than a million dollars. So we went from when in 1982, when we were recognized for, for purchasing over a million dollars from John Deere in a year to today where our purchases are, are probably closer to, you know, $600 million. The price where a combine was uh, maybe a hundred thousand dollars um, back then, it's now 10 times that uh, for the larger ones. So, so there's been quite an increase in the, in the value of equipment. Part or large part of that is is they're much much larger, more capacity. Uh, Labor is always a struggle uh, on farms, especially smaller farms, and because it's so seasonal. And so, you know, as much production, mechanized production, you can do the better, and, and that's why this uh, equipment value is is so much higher than it was when we started. When you look at dealer economics, and you have experience across a number of verticals, including transport and construction, what are the keys to success if you could distill it down to a few key performance indicators that our listeners can take away? Well, I think, again, used, used inventory management is probably the most critical aspect. We always used to have a sort of a rule of thumb that if you're as long as your inventory was turning at least three times a year, uh, that that was a good a good turnover ratio. And when it goes below that, 
it's you know probably some yellow flags and gets below two it should be a red flag in sort of the uh, 2014 there was a quite a run on demand on new equipment and and uh you kind of compared yourself to neighbors as well they're doing it so you know two times turn is is not so bad and and oh well they're we they have much more used equipment than we do so i mean we can have a one times turn on combines to and, you know but that's just flat wrong. You know, it's hard to go against everybody else. But the reality is, is that having that turnover of, of three times or greater is, is, is probably the most critical aspect um, of, of a farm equipment dealership. But the second is, you know, well, sort of coincide with that is, but, you know, we're really buying equipment, not selling equipment. Selling equipment is you've got a you know, we, we make very little margin on selling new equipment. We, we do that to maintain market share and to have that future parts and service business. So when there's a trade-in that's, you know, worth 80% of what you're selling, the new, the new is pretty fixed on, you know, what we can sell it for. It, the, it's what we buy that trade-in for. And that can vary but based on what di- different people can evaluate. I mean, we've kind of gotten that down to a, more of a science now where, where we, we have our own guidebook and we review it every quarter and, and, we, and we, we have to be strict about what those values that we can buy equipment at. So that's really buying, buying your trade-ins correctly. And absorption is another factor that we've been taking into account more recently. And, and that's where your gross margin from your parts and service business should cover all of your expenses, including your sales department. So if you can have a hundred percent absorption, which is basically the gross margin from those two departments cover the expenses for the whole dealership, that's ideal. And when you get to like 80% absorption, then you need to be profitable uh, in your sales department just to break even. And so that, that, that absorption factors is an important one as well. And ideally, it should be 100 to 110 percent for for an egg dealership, and then uh, and then return on invested capital, and that's more of a you know by being a public company, that's more of a measure that that a lot of analysts use. But I I find it you know very helpful in that it's uh, return on equity can be misleading if you're highly leveraged and you're paying low interest, but the risk is still a balance sheet risk there. So I like return on invested capital because it includes you know, all of your long-term capital or loans and liabilities plus your equity and you add in the interest plus your equity earnings to come up with your ROI. Really pleased with, you know, our Q2 results. We were at 23% uh, return on invested capital on a rolling 12-month basis. And and that's that's our sort of was our five-year target. And, and we hit that now for the last two quarters. So I'm pleased with that. But that's a really other strong measure. So I would say those three are, are really keys to success. So Peter's service serves two masters in a way, the customer on the farm or on the road, and then also the OEM. You mentioned a little bit about this and dear market share is very important. So beyond market share and make money, what is it that the OEMs look for and value in their dealer network? Well, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a very much a relationship business and we're trying to get more and more away from being just transactional to sort of uh, being a sort of value added uh, partner with our customers, anticipate what their needs are, what, what, where, you know, we don't want to be selling them uh, too much equipment than what they need, but we also don't want to sell too little. I think the biggest thing is, is that is, is the, 
the customer expectation is that that you know their downtime is, is minimized and and you know when their equipment when you've got a very expensive combine that's three hundred dollars an hour and there's potentially rain coming you know uh, uh, our customers get pretty antsy about about taking extra time to, to to fix their repair so that means you know having you know good stock of parts availability uh, uh, making sure that you've got road technicians that can go out on very short notice and and that you get the job fixed right and 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 quickly from a customer um, perspective i mean they they just they want good equipment uh, there's a lot of technology changes that you know they want to learn about that there's a lot of data being collected by equipment these days and so sort of the next phase of farming is being able to take that data and and and, and have meaningful insight as to you know um, management decision making from that insight so that's where farming has advanced quite a bit and and i think it's up to us to be able to you know uh ultimately add value to our customers and 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 so that uh you know, they can do well from from their investment as far as the manufacturers i mean yes they want you to have you know uh, good customer satisfaction responsiveness and and everything so that's that's one measure Market share, like I mentioned before, is a very important measure. It's probably the most important measure from from the manufacturer standpoint. If we can deliver market share and deliver, you know, value added and and reduced downtime, that's really what uh, both the manufacturer and our customers are looking for. And and one of the things that that having a larger network is that is that um, that pit parts of old building we we share amongst all of our stores. We have you know. Uh, a specialist that basically, you know, looks after our our daily stock orders and, and our weekly stock orders, and and uh, just better management ult- ultimately leads to better customer satisfaction. And the other thing, I guess, is having facilities that, you know, the equipment has grown quite a bit over the last twenty years, thirty years, and so you have to have shops that can accommodate the, the equipment that we're selling, which is always a challenge because we have to, you know, we're just building our our new facility and just outside of Red Deer, um, you have to have, have big enough doors and everything else like that to, to handle the size of the equipment these days. Peter, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you, Robert. Note that this podcast is not making an investment recommendation on any companies discussed. We welcome your comments on today's episode or any other episode. Connect with us at acumencapital.com.